0: hello everyone welcome to the Crockcast podcast i'm your host nate and today i'm joined by the host of the venom exchange radio uh podcast mr nipper reed reed welcome to the show
1: hello mate thank you very much good to be here
0: so uh you want to get started on uh, how you first got into uh reptiles and uh kind of what your career path that led you to where you are now
1: yeah sure um i think my story is the same as everybody else you've probably interviewed Um, when you're small you're really into dinosaurs and that sort of thing my earliest memory of really being into herps and stuff like that um i'm lucky enough to have uh, grown up in london uh, or around london and my granddad took me to the natural history museum when i was about four years old and I can still remember it. And four years old is an awfully long time ago for me now. Uh, and they had live fire salamanders there, which is salamandra salamandra, beautiful European species. And um, I was just blown away. I was allowed to hold it, which you probably can't do now for health and safety. But this was a long time ago. And um, yes, I was absolutely fascinated at four years old by this beautiful little black and bright yellow salamander. And that kind of snowballed from there. And then when you get a little bit older, um, the UK at that time when I was growing up had a lot of uh, ex war fortifications and stuff like that left over from the war. And as kids, you know, it's like you make a camp and then other kids make a camp and then you all attack one another and you have a great day out. Again, you probably can't do that now under health and safety. You'd have to go to a safe space or something like that. But I remember around these camps. I used to see snakes and lizards. And at the time, I didn't know what they were. I was only young. But then you start to think, I wonder what that is. And I had to look in a book. Um, Modern people won't know what that is. That's before the internet. So you had to actually look something up in a book. And they were adders. They were Vipira berus, the only venomous snake that we get in the UK. But they were really common around these bombed out sort of uh, old buildings. And also uh, Vipiparasutoka, which is... It's called the common lizard. Unfortunately, it's not very common anymore, but those were the first two herps I saw kind of in the field. And it's it's snowballed from there. Um, And then when the Internet kicked off big time, uh, there was a group in Europe and they were called Club 100. At that time, the goal was to see 100 species of European herp in the field. And that was quite a big thing so i thought well, that's a great idea so i've started doing it um Sprague was like a pioneer of this a friend of mine and it, i just started going to europe and photographing herps in situ um there's only in europe if we count mainland europe there's 240 different species uh, of herp and at the minute i now have six species left to see it key, it changes almost daily because when you think you've seen everything somebody then splits a species and then you've you know even though it looks exactly the same you've got there Got you know it's a little brown gecko but now you've got to go to the particular island that that split is on and see it so i've got I've got at the moment i think taxonomically i've got six species left so i hope to be the first english person to have photographed every european herb in situ um there's only a few other people have actually done it there's uh, bobby bock from holland he's seen everything and photographed it Jeroen has photographed everything and seen it he's from belgium and jan van der voort from belgium has seen everything but those are the only people in europe that have ever done it so i'm hoping to be the first person from the uk to do it um so yeah i've also the uh, same as everybody when you start feel purple you start thinking oh i'd like to keep some stuff at home So uh, I've over the years had huge collections of various different things Um, and at the minute I have a building in the garden, which to my partners dismiss is absolutely full of various snakes and lizards. That's where we are now.
0: So uh, what are those six species you still need to get?
1: Uh, right. I've got an input on spot. So my nemesis is uh, a large, uh, largest rat snake, um, which you think would be really easy to see, uh, which is uh, a Suramantes, which is uh, the blotched rat snake. Um, and I have been to many countries in Europe trying to find it. I found loads of sheds. I've seen them dead on the road. Obviously, you can't count dead specimens, unfortunately. Otherwise, I'd have probably finished by now um i've done so many trips in the areas for these things i did a trip earlier this year with the sole target was that particular snake we saw a lot of other nice stuff but i just cannot find a live one at the minute it's super frustrating so there's the the botch rat snake um they've just recently split the green lizards uh in the in in europe so there's a new species from an island called naxos so I need to go to this island, which is not as easy as it sounds. You've got a, which which will mean me flying to Athens in Greece from the UK, then getting a small prop plane from Athens to the island of Naxos, uh, and then trying to find this this one type of lizard. So I've got to do that. I need to go to Crete to find a gecko, which they've recently split it looks exactly the same as the other types of gecko from that area that i've already photographed there is absolutely no morphological difference whatsoever but it's been given species status so i need to see that um i'm off to milos in a couple of weeks time which is one of the cyclades islands uh and then i need to photograph on there the blunt-nosed viper um which I'd already seen in Cyprus, but now the ones on Milos have been elevated to a full species. So I need to photograph them on Milos as well. Um, Milos has also got a, a little tiny wall lizard, which I need to see. Uh, what else? What else? blah, blah. blah. Uh, and then it. it the completeness it depends some people count it some people don't count it so there's an island called samos which is literally just off the coast of turkey you could swim to turkey from it so some people count it it is europe some people don't um and there's a couple of uh lizards that i need to see on there so that will be it hopefully and then i can concentrate more on the the us which is my great passion at the moment
0: so uh what all do you have uh out in your shed at the moment Shed,
1: shed. it's not a outside sh- building
0: garden it's garden not building. a shed
1: it's beautiful um
0: hey i keep uh, mine in the shed i'm not ashamed of it
1: uh, that's good but no um i i have to because i'm in the uk i have to have dwa license which is a dangerous wild animals license because i keep venomous so the building has to be built to a certain standard um Got to be double-skinned brick, it's got to have double entry and all sorts of, you know, legal, which is good, I think, legal requirements. Um, I'm just in a kind of period of flux at the minute in terms of, and I'm sure you're the same, um, although you're a lot younger than me, clearly. You go through different stages with your keeping, don't you? So yeah. you, you get you get your first snake and it's marvelous, and you think, oh, I'll just get one more, and then before you know it. You've got 100 snakes or whatever it is you're keeping lizards or whatever it is you're keeping um and you then think right i'm going to breed this so you you just get pairs and double pairs of everything and then you suddenly realize this is tons of work and i'm not enjoying it and then you think right i'm going to thin it down and just keep what i really enjoy so i'm kind of in the stage now where um I'm thinning everything down. I'm just about to completely redo the snake building. So literally floor to ceiling, all new cages and new electric, everything. Uh, so at the minute my collection's the smallest it's been. Um, and I'm really changing the direction because I was really into arboreal pit vipers. So I had lots of green stuff that sat on twigs for ages. Don't have any of those anymore. Uh, I've got some, uh, a the, um, West African pit vipers, um, but that that's about it for the arboreal stuff. So, and the direction I'm going to go in is going to be European vipers from Iberia and North American rattlesnakes and North American king snakes milk snakes, because the temperature requirements are all very very similar. But what I have got at the moment, um I'll give you a run through. If, if I may forget things, uh, so I'll have to do it thinking of the room in my head as I go around uh so starting at the back i keep apodora um which is but hands down my favorite non venomous snake they are just beasts of snakes i mean you know people go on about their scrub pythons but apodora eat scrub pythons they are just phenomenal snakes i would recommend them to anybody if they're quite hard to get hold of i believe they are in europe i don't know about in the states but if you i've rarely seen them so yeah, I've got some. I got. I know people that keep them. I've got some friends that keep them. But if you can get them, get them. They are another level. They remind me of non-venomous king cobras. They have the same sort of size and intelligence. They really. they look at you, and you can just tell that they're just judging you. They they are phenomenal, um, and by far the strongest snake. And I've kept retics and I've kept scrubs, but apodora again another level. So I've got the apodora uh what's next to them apidora i've got uh sanzinia um what else apidora, sanzinia i've got water pythons the fuscus which i really like really underrated snake why they're not more popular in the hobby is beyond me they're beautifully iridescent they've got lovely orange or yellow bellies depending on where they're from i think they're fantastic so i've got a group of those maclots pythons i've got a group of those um and they're the best training snakes. If you want to keep venomous, just keep a group of matlots. And if you're not bitten in six months, then you're more than ready for, for venomous because they're just the most aggressive snakes ever. Uh, what else have I got? Uh, going round. Oh, uh, I've got way too many Jamaican boas. Um, I do like a Jamaican boar, but I've got too many. I need to, to thin some of those out. So I've got Jamaican boas. Uh, I've got hapworm carpet pythons uh carpet pythons. then i've got a large group of northern pines uh i've got pyramelana and the block i have got Sinaloan milk um what else what else what else oh Think that might be it for non venomous. Oh no, I've got uh Langahar, the Madagascan leaf nose snakes, I've got Madagascan cat snakes, uh, I've got some corns. Uh, what else? Then I've got the Arthurus clericus I've got the Cistrurus miliaris strikery and I've got Sistrias milliaris Barbary, and I've got Sister Miliaris Barbary stripe phase. Um uh, that might be it for snakes at the minute. And then I've got two groups of Timon lepidus which are the European biggest lizards. They're sort of they're sort of Australian, small monitor lizard size. Uh various okay. different various different Phil sumas. Kochi, Eye, Grandis, Standing Eye, I've got Ligodactus, Eye, William's Eye, um, Underwoodisaurus, uh, Oedira, Manolis, the Velvet Gecko, Oedira's Cast Castle Nawi, Velvet Geckos. Uh, what else? Oh, I've got all the um, what is the latin for those i have the the baguinalis cave geckos gonorrheasaurus i think the latin for that is cave geckos then i've got colonics variegatus colonics mitratus colonics uh brevis I think I'm missing stuff. All right. oh, I've got some fanfoot geckos. I think that might be it. Oh no, I've got four spot geckos, some leopard geckos, morning geckos, golden geckos. They're all wild in the building, just they just clear up any bugs that I drop. Um and I've got uh Turkish geckos and Moorish geckos again, just wild in the building just to clear up anything they seem to breed like mad in the in, in the building i think that's it oh no uh, i've got some antibodies here as well uh, maculosa um our oh, brazilian rainbow boas i think that's it i'm sure i've forgotten a few bits and bobs, but there's a few bits but as i say um international snake days coming up in europe so i will drive over there and I've got uh, pre orders waiting to collect for Vipira latast gaditania, which is a beautiful little viper from Spain with a horn on its nose. I've got pre orders for Vipera renardi, which is one of my favourite European snakes. I've kept them all, I kept loads of them before and I got rid of them and I really regretted it. So I've managed to track some down because they're not easy to get. Um, and I've got. Uh, crotalus serastes as well on pre-order. So I'm looking forward to having some side That'd be really, really cool. Um, and at the show, I'm looking to buy more milk snakes because I don't know what it's like in the States. I think you're, you're better in the States because I've been looking on former classifieds. For us in Europe, it's really, really hard to get decent non morph examples, like locality examples of some of the milks and kings. The morph stuff yeah. is easy is easy to get, but to get decent non morph stuff is hard. So I want to get a nice group of, um, or add to the sinolo, and um, I want to get camberley because I think it's one of the nicest looking milk snakes. I think it's amazing, not the Halloween ones, but the what they call sock heads. I think are just beautiful. So I get some of those and some of the South American uh, milks. I think are outstanding. So try and track some of them down. I will also try and get bry uh, and Lepidus if I see some nice examples um, at the show. So yeah, I'm looking forward to it. But so the collection should just be snake-wise. I should be keeping the big boys, the, the Fuscus, and the Sanxinia and the Apidora, but I think everything else will be going. Um, and I'll just have Pituophus, um, Lampropeltis, and then Rattlesnakes or Eurovipers. And that'll be me. Yeah,
0: um, you mentioned something a, a bit about a uh, kind of difference between American and European herpeticulture. That's uh, something I've always been kind of interested in. So, uh, from your European herpeticulture perspective, what we say are some of the major differences between the two.
1: Oh, it's easy because it drives me up the wall. I'm always moaning to um, my American friends about stuff. Number one, you never use any Latin names for anything which annoys the hell out of everybody because your common names for stuff aren't the common names that are used in other countries. So it's super confusing. Um, in Europe, you don't ever use common names for anything. If I was even selling a corn snake or a, a, a milk snake, I wouldn't put milk snake for sale. It would be lampropeltis whichever species it was for sale. That way anyone that speaks German or speaks Spanish or speaks Italian will know exactly what we're talking about. Everyone just uses Latin all the time. Um, you, if you, the Americans, and I'm always moaning at my friends for this, oftentimes I'll look on classified sales or something like that and it'll be a, a rattlesnake species that I've never heard of. I think that's oh, great, it's a new species, whatever, but when I look It's a subspecies, but they've just missed the subspecies name bit out and they've just used the end bit. That's that's quite frustrating. Um, I think America is kind of going European now and we're kind of going American in terms of keeping in racks is kind of getting more popular here. Whereas I think in America, naturalistic setups are kind of getting more popular and racks are getting less popular. Um, but the, the sort of normality for Europe would be have less species, but the cage sizes are so much bigger in um, in Europe. I think. I mean, when when I chat to like Eric or Phil or whatever, when they say, "Oh yeah, I've got an extra six foot carpet python," oh, what size, or oh, it's in a four foot cage, you're like, mm. "In the UK, it'd be in a much bigger cage," or in in um, in Europe, I'm so much stuff is bioactive in Europe. Or if it's not 100% bioactive, it's much more naturalistic. And particularly with the venomous stuff, there's almost as much attention on the cage design in terms of uh, the plants that are in there or the hardscaping in there. It's almost like aquaries, it's almost like fish keepers. You know, it gets to a point where that is almost a bigger part of the hobby, is actually keeping the animal. Um, so some of the setups you see for the viper keepers and that, like they, they've got like works of art. They're they're, they're amazing. Um, I think those are the and the prices. Some of the I mean stuff that you're paying pence for in America would just be you'd have to sell a kidney for in Europe, and and vice versa. When you, I see a, a chance to film people like that, when they're going, oh yeah, Vipira amidites, which is quite a popular venomous snake in America, the nose horn viper. I look on former classified and they're like six, seven hundred dollars. They're like 50 quid. I can get them for 50 quid. Do you know what I mean? It's just crazy. And yet, rattlesnake prices, what you're paying pence for a rattlesnake, I'm then paying the 500, 600 pound for. So I suppose it's just what's available, isn't it? It's just what's commonly available. And I think some of the wild caught import lines are easier for the states. So some things that come in wild, caught, are very cheap, like Insularis. Blue Insularis in the States aren't that expensive, are they? I don't think from Resuris Insularis, from uh, Komodo, Weta, that sort of area. They're not super expensive yeah. in the States. I think, you know, yeah. possibly even around $100 or something like that. Whereas a Blue Insularis in the UK is probably £750 to £800. It, but I just think it's just easy for you to import them where we can't get them. But um, that's the the main difference is, I think, naturalistic vivs rather than you very, very rarely see anything plastic in a European viv. You won't Mm -hmm. see like the white tubes for um, snakes to sit on and and stuff like that. It's all very, very naturalistic. And collections tend to be smaller, but bigger cages more naturally set up. I'd say that's the difference
0: gotcha so uh, what would be some uh, other species that i say are really commonly kept in europe but not commonly seen in america and uh vice versa um
1: i'll tell you what's very what is very popular in the uk but not common because we cannot get hold of them are all the dry markons they're s-
0: uh.
1: rid- they are ridiculously expensive i mean stupidly expensive over here um and they're so popular but you just can't get them you literally anybody that's breeding them and there's probably oh, there's probably less than five people breeding them in the uk and their lists sell out almost immediately um you just can't get hold of them so they're super expensive they're really really popular but conversely things like um san francisco garter snakes and stuff like that their pens, yeah. which I think are quite <laughs> hard to get hold of in the in uh, in the states or even legally keep um any of the American venomous stuff uh, with the exception of copperheads is is normally quite expensive for us over here um, certainly things like um, let me think of an example Clo and lepidus aren't too expensive um they're probably between three and five hundred pounds each. But things like a decent um pyrus or something like that, you're probably looking at seven, eight hundred pounds for a decent example, whereas in the States it's no it's nowhere near that. Um even things like uh Paramalana and, and noblock you're probably looking at 250 pounds for a sub adult, whereas I'm sure you're not paying an equivalent price for that sort of thing in. In the us Um, we get a lot of uh wild caught stuff that you probably don't see so much purely because our laws aren't there's no fish and wildlife in the uk if it gets into the uk you can have it sort of thing so we see a lot of weirdest unusual species i think in the uk um certainly because of our ties with australia there's, uh, there's a lot of australian stuff available in europe a lot of it smuggled through various places, Czech Republic, and stuff like that. Um, so we probably have a greater range of Australian, or certainly it fascinates me when I listen to the shout to my friends in the in, in the US. You're so oh, this is Lasik bloodline, or this is such and such bloodline. You can trace it all the way back. No way in the in, in Europe it will be, you know, everything's just smuggled in and imported. You're not worried about. Bloodlines or anything like that. Yeah, yeah. It, it, there's so there's so many bloodlines. It's it's just ridiculous. So I think that's that's probably the main difference.
0: And I call that healthy genetic diversity. So
1: yeah, 100 percent. I mean, the amount of I mean even the even the geckos, they are. They, there is so much stuff available from you know from Australia or New Zealand, um, and just you know. Um, but despite even the spider vipers are available, the Pseudon arachnoides. There's never been a legal export of those. And yet they're at the shows. You can buy them, <laughs> you know, it, it makes me laugh. You can. Yeah, there's a, there's a lot of stuff you can at the international. Shows There's house under this hand and I've said it a number of times. When you walk around in the venomous rooms for either one of those shows, you will be able to buy every every single species of european viper and every species of american north american rattlesnake now a lot of the european vipers are strictly protected there's never you know they shouldn't be there but they're all there at the shows so you can you can buy a sceny it it's incredible
0: <laughs> yeah um you're mentioning that uh, dry mark on uh kind of uh, the high demand, low supply snake in the UK at the moment. Uh, yeah. Um, just from what I've seen here in the States, they're not exactly that uh, easy to get either, especially uh, Eastern Indigo since they have the federal protection status. So you can't sell them over state lines, but even like imported Central American and Cribos and stuff like that usually go for over a grand. So I guess yes, dry mark on our but- dry mark. Mark are expensive across the board.
1: Yeah, um I think equivalent price, you're looking at probably cheapest price, two and a half thousand for one. in uh, if you can get hold of one. If you can get hold of one. Um, <laughs> even things big like if. um a big if, um black pines, black pine snakes. Female black pine yeah. snake will set you back probably between 500 and 800 pounds in the UK. Um, crazy. Yeah. Even Mexican black king snakes, which a while ago you couldn't give away. They are now somewhere in the region of 250 pounds each. Uh, yeah.
0: Hmm.
1: Something that most people in America are probably using for snake food. <laughs> um, yeah
0: it's uh yeah. it, it is weird it is weird yeah so i kind of a change of course but uh you do host uh several co host several podcasts uh yeah. you want to talk about
1: those uh yeah um eric from um npr who i'm sure everybody is aware of the podfather um eric, eric and i do uh, a field helping podcast um it kind of got interrupted a little bit by Covid, um, but we have got a lot of episodes backed up in the pipeline, which we can now now put out. Um, we, we just felt that field herping is, is, is becoming such a popular activity for everybody. I mean, I've done it for 30 years, but a lot of people are just starting to do it. And there's some fantastic people on the Internet that go out field herping and make great YouTube videos. And it's becoming really popular. You know, People like uh, Lou, Lou Boyer and, and uh, other people. So we felt that there should be a podcast so we we've, we do the field herping podcast um and then phil and i we both have a love for venomous we both over the years we've kept venomous well, between us i couldn't imagine how many species we've kept um phil kind of leans towards african stuff he's very into his cobras and his stiletto snakes and his beloved ring and stuff like that um whereas i've always sort of lent towards Arboreal stuff like Atheris and Trimorissuris um, and, rat- and then the Rattlesnakes and stuff like that. So we've got such a uh, an experience between us and we just love talking about it and talking to anybody that's into the Venomous stuff. So we thought there isn't really a Venomous podcast at the minute. So we thought we'd um, pop one out and we've, we've been really, really blessed. We've had some cracking guests on there, some really uh, super interesting people. So it—it's it, you know, just a joy. It's just the chat snakes or scorpions. We just done an episode on scorpions because venom is venom. Um, yeah. So it's not—it's it's not just snakes. We'll be doing spider episodes. Um, it's maybe snake-centric because that's what me and Phil know about. Um, but yeah, it's, it's good to have a little variety for anyone that's interested in the venom. And yeah, we'll 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 talk about field herping. We'll talk about conservation. We'll talk about um, captive keeping we'll talk about bike procedures you know just general stuff centered around envenomation and stuff like that there's a couple of other little podcasts in the pipeline uh we've got a gecko podcast that's um being put together which will be phil eric and myself so again phil eric and myself really love our uh, our geckos so we thought we'll do a little gecko you know only a monthly one, not weekly, but. Uh, yeah it's good
0: yeah so uh what we say are some of the most interesting guests you've had on
1: oh that's that's harsh i think i think with the venom podcast with the venom podcast i think all of the um guests we've had have been carefully chosen because they all bring something different i mean we've had very famous people on there like johan marias um but we've also had um thai IPA. so just completely different perspectives you know we, we've got a female herpetologist very well respected massive collection of elapids and then you've got johann marias who's been in the hobby for or been around herpetoculture for the last 40 years has written so many books um does so much work with conservation snake bite we had uh, we just had um paul on with his scorpions which was fascinating because i know absolutely nothing about scorpions so that was great to have everyone but everyone we've had we've had people from the kenyan um, venom institute it, it, it's 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 everyone has just brought something different it's been really cool and then obviously on the field helping podcast we had the legend <laughs> that was Marco o'shea Uh, You could just listen to him talk for hours and hours and hours. I mean, the man has, you know, discovered new species. Had species named after him. He was on the original Ruskal Python exhibition expeditions. He's done so much in Papua New Guinea. Um, He found Antaresia in Papua New Guinea. You know, he's he's caught wild Apodora. Um, he's done a lot of work with venomous snakes in Papua New Guinea. You, you can honestly just listen to him for, for ages. Um,
0: hmm.
1: Yeah. But everyone that comes on has got something different to add. You know, that's that's the beauty of it. You're just getting other people's stories. Yeah.
0: So uh, with your uh, collection going forward, is there any species that if you could, you would want to work with?
1: Oh, how long have you got um yes there's loads the only thing that stops me is is money really money in space is the is problem that all uh all keepers have uh, as i say i'm thinning out so much stuff and the plan is to go with sort of iberian vipers and uh american uh stuff so would like because i am a total geek i would like to get all of the subspecies of crotalus Cerastes, which well, there's three subspecies. Um, the Circumbobus is very easy to get. It's one of the commonest snakes you'll see at a show, that they're easy, but the other, to get crotalus Cerastes serastes is hard. I can't remember off the top of my head what the other subspecies is, but they are much harder to track down. So I like all the subspecies for that. Um, Iberian Viper wise, I'm getting Viper latas from Tunisia, which is Africa because they sort of go into Europe and they just cross into Africa, um, <laughs> which and I think they're going to elevate that to a full species. So I also want Viper latas from Portugal because different slightly. I want Viper latas latas, different venom same same sort of snake slightly different looking may split the species i don't know but i'd love to get some viper latas i'll probably pick up some of those at the show uh, that's coming up i want uh viper suan i um i would like the con color and the striped form of that because they come in various different forms um i want some viper aspis vipira aspis from the uh, I think it's cikiri from the Spanish border I'd also love vipira Kanakovi uh, Vipira Lotievi, which I used to keep and I shouldn't have sold the Vipira iwensis which I used to keep and shouldn't have sold um, so that's the kind of viper wise um milk snake wise I just look I want some decent examples of as I said before of the South American bigger, milk snakes um particularly if i could get this the pair and i saw them on fauna classified and they're really cheap in the states but over here you just can't get them the ones from the andes are just phenomenal looking uh beautiful snakes um if anybody's listening that's into milk snakes i would they're on fauna Classified. just buy them because they're hard to get pure examples of them um rattlesnake wise Apart from the uh, cerastes, I want, and I'm I'm gonna be really geeky because I don't have space to collect loads. So I want some really nice examples of cloud Now, the clouds I want are from the area in Arizona that I was lucky enough to go herping um, a few months ago, but they are completely protected in Arizona so they're not for sale in America they are for sale in Europe though um, so mm. uh, I'd like some yeah I'd like some Arizona examples of Claiborii, um, and I'd like some decent examples of Lepidus and Marillus. Um but I could keep going for hours there's so many snakes I want it's uh, it's crazy L- lizard wise uh, there's not that much more. St- oh, so other stuff I forgot to mention. I keep Strophurus as well, the Australian some, some of the Australian geckos. Ah. So I'd like I'd like some uh, um and Eldery Strophurus. Um, and I want the biggest European lizard, which is Timon Nevidensis. So I'd like a pair of those. I also keep stuff out in, in my garden, which I forgot to mention. So I keep, in outdoor enclosures, I keep uh, Lacerta bilineata, which is one of the big green lizards. I keep a group of those. I keep a group of Podaceus viralis nigraventris uh, and another Podaceus viralis whose name escapes me. So they're wall lizards, so I keep groups of those. I keep um, tiger salamanders in a big enclosure in the garden. So I've got two different forms of tiger salamander and also for toads keep in the garden as well so yeah there's I, I yeah i should be taking a fair bit of money to the show apart from my pre-orders so i should just wander around i'm vending the show as well so i get i get in early so i should just wander around and just hang around in the venomous room and see what's what's nice
0: yeah so you mentioned uh, you did some herping in arizona where you found the glabri uh so yeah what would be some of your uh favorite places you've ever gone herping
1: uh my favorite well um i've been fortunate enough to hurt many places around around the world um cuba was one of the nicest places i've herped. I'm not sure that's easily accessible for people from the us i'm not really sure but i For herping, I thought it was absolutely great. A lot of lizard species, some great amphibians, nice big snakes. I was fortunate enough to see Cuban boa uh, and they have a crocodile out there as well. Um, But I just love the lizards, the curly curly tail lizards out there were phenomenal. Uh, And the toads were huge. They're like cane toad size toads. Cuba was cool. Um, For my money, um, you cannot beat Greece for herping because you've got such different habitats. so, you, if you hurt the Peloponnese area of Greece, you've you've got such a range of of habitats. You've got everything from small boas, the sand boas live there. You've got a load of really cool venomous snakes. You've got Hypipira amidites or Vipera zonfina if you if you go slightly further up the Peloponnese. You've got a lot of racers and that sort of thing. Phenomenal lizards. Um, and the little greek islands a lot of the greek islands have little endemic species on them so you might have a tiny little island but it's got a lizard that's only found there or a salamander that's only found there which is really really cool i love spain uh, although spain is really hard herping um in terms of it's hard when you're out herping in certain areas of spain it's hard to find somewhere where you could eat so you end up just living off shite that you buy in a, in a garage you know for days and days and days or just not eating for days um, but the species in spain are phenomenal it is we've got so many nice fiber species in spain is lovely it's the polar opposite of spain the food and the culture and the alcohol and the coffee are all amazing in italy you don't want to hurt you just want to lay around and eat and drink um but they've got some really nice species as well um, slovenia is cool as a country slovenia is really small but it's got a phenomenal amount of species for the size of the country i really I, I, israel i think is hands down the one of the best countries if you're into reptiles i think israel is probably one of the best countries you can visit because it's easy everyone speaks english it's easy to get food the road system's great but there's so many herbs. Um you'd easily with you know not too much effort, you'd easily find 30, 40 species in a week, just is out that very, wow. very cool. And they have got some beasts of venomous snakes, they've got scale vipers, um, they've got um the big Deboya um Deboya uh what else have they got? Oh they've got the um black cobras, the uh they they got the Atractaspis leto snakes um they've got the telescopus it's it's a joy having been out there and it, it is generally easy to to see stuff out there um and if you want to go further afield you've got like places like malaysia and borneo if you like amphibians go to you know, borneo is just insane um you've got some cool snakes there as well you've got some nice um vipers in borneo but amphibian diversity is in incredible same for malaysia um just trying to think, I've been I've been fortunate enough to go to so many places. New Zealand is harder herping, but it's got some beautiful species of geckos in New Zealand. Um, I'd recommend that. But um, most countries in the world, you can there's good stuff. My the thing that's exciting me, I've yeah, Australia. I wouldn't mind herping Australia. It's not at the top of my list. The US is top of my list at the moment, and I think all of you people in the us you take the us for granted but if you take a step back from that and look at the species you've actually got and the diversity you've actually got the us is phenomenal honestly all the europeans just want to hurt the us it's you know you've got uh, 38 species of rattlesnake you've got some phenomenal amphibians like you know, you've got hellbenders and mud puppies salamander wise the appalachians and all that sort of stuff you've got probably over 100 species of salamander alone um hmm. uh, oh, it's, it's just beautiful and then you've got all your different lizards you've got lyre snakes you've got your milk snakes you've got your shovel nose snakes it is it, phenomenal absolutely phenomenal And you're never going to beat rattlesnakes i mean it's what everybody wants to see and i think because it's it's kind of easy air quotes for you to see rattlesnakes i think you americans kind of take rattlesnakes for granted but it is the as far as i'm concerned they're the absolute pinnacle of seeing venomous snakes i know you know europe's got some very very pretty venomous snakes but they don't compare to how cool some of the rattlesnakes you've got are
0: well as an american i feel kind of flattered and proud about that but uh in my particular home state it's actually pretty hard to find rattlesnakes just because where, uh, where are you from have- where are you ohio
1: okay so,
0: so we have two data species that uh, uh masasagua which is cisterces catabensis and uh uh corollis hortus so timbers uh-huh. but both of, both of those are state endangered and, like super rare had to go really hike up to some really remote pockets in order to find them so it's I mean, even, uh, yeah even copperheads are not that easy to find here so
1: okay yeah that's so, that's really high on my list of things i want to see in the wild at the moment copperhead i know for you it's probably bread and butter stuff but for me copperheads <laughs> such just an go iconic down south and, yeah
0: yeah, just go down south and drive around for like an hour, pretty much.
1: hundred yeah, percent. I'm I'm hoping to do uh, go over and, and, and see Eric and do Pennsylvania, and you know Eric's so focused on Australia, loves Australia, it's amazing. And I keep saying to him, do you know that your state has so many cool reptiles and amphibians in it? You know, they like, they do have the um the hellbenders and they've got the timbers and they've got copperheads. And uh, I think they got, um, they got Sostruis there as well. I think maybe just on the edge, yeah.
0: yeah Catabans, Sostruis, Catabans- it should go be in Pennsylvania. I know they range all the way up to like upstate New York as well. So,
1: yeah, so I mean, that's just phenomenal to have that on your doorstep, for want of a better word. Um, but yeah, I mean, Arizona, uh, you've you probably um, heard me speak about it before, but Arizona absolutely blew my mind what a place i mean i could just literally walk around there for months and months and months it was it was you know the habitat the lighting the species and not just the species of reptiles but the plants and the birds everything was incredible it's you know actually phenomenal i'm hoping we're going to do a utah trip early next year because we got the we did really well we've got the rattlesnakes from the sort of the bottom end but we, the next group of species is kind of top end of arizona and into utah so uh, i'm yeah. stoked for that it's just i mean i've not even been to texas i need to go to texas texas has got some great species it's crazy yeah
0: i've done a, lot of, done a fair bit of herping in uh, east texas so like i say it is pretty pretty nice to go herping in. so
1: yeah i think i'm mean, california baja and stuff like that it's just it's insane what you've got i mean the, the, the diversity
0: yeah. I, yeah I was actually uh, looking it up the other week uh actually the u.s has the highest diversity of freshwater turtle species of any country in the planet which it's kind of surprising but i guess if you look at like how wet and uh river how many rivers and lakes we have like especially in the southeast it kind of makes sense
1: yeah but uh, but how many people are going out and saying right i want to see every species of north american turtle not that many that's what people should be doing no that's what they should um dustin the 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 friend of ours that very kindly guided us around arizona I, he is inspirational in terms of he is always out herping if he's not working he's out herping how his missus puts up with him i have no idea because he is literally um in his truck out herping I, I, you know, even a, a couple of nights ago i was just messaging back and forth i'm saying you must see every species in arizona you live in arizona make that your goal and he, that's what he's, he's smashing through he's a phenomenal herper he will do it no no problem at all but um yeah if, if i lived in the states i i'm not and i don't even know what the numbers are certainly a lot greater than europe but i would have to see every single species in the you know in the states however long that took that
0: uh, that would probably take a while i think it's probably somewhere around 600 species Well, i might actually have uh the old uh audubon reptile field guide around here somewhere they might have to look up just to see what the total number is
1: yeah you know i mean it, I presume it, 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 it's doable i mean it's going to take a lot of time and money and effort but yeah what a goal what a thing to be able to say you've done yeah
0: so uh other than the united states and you mentioned some other places uh what be some places you that are really high up on your list of you really want to go herping and in particular, what are some species you would really want to knock off uh, your yeah. herping list?
1: Well, um, my next trips are already planned for next year. Um, as I said, are Naxos, Crete, um, and Utah. Those are the ones that are already booked and planned. I quite like to go to Samos, just for completeness, but if time and money would allow, um Japan is super high on my list of places to go. Um they've got some venomous species there. Um which the um can't remember the common name for them. It begins like with them. M. Mamushis. Mamushis, well done you, yeah. They've got those. The um the little was like uh, s- Is it like
0: pseudo akistraton or something like that?
1: I think they're Gloideus. I Think the is the Latin okay. for those, I could be wrong. Um, and yeah, I, to see those in the wild, um, Lou flips them all the time when he's out there, like they're really common. But just to see those in the wild would be insane. And there's some really, really nice pit vipers in Japan, which I quite like to see. I'd like to see some killbacks as well. Um, and on my bucket list, I have two things. These are both water related. Three—that's I have three things water related. I don't know why they're all water related, it's weird. Um, One is to swim with manatees. So hopefully next year I'm going to go and see Phil do some herping because I want to see Cisturus in the wild and then go to clear water and swim some manatees. The other thing is swim with um, giant salamanders in Japan which a friend of mine did. It's just, just amazing. I mean, uh, you know, an amphibian, that's as long as you when you're in the water that (laughs) it's just, it's just mental. So that would be really cool. And then the the other thing is a hundred percent. Yeah. Um, and then the other thing is to try and get over to Eric's. I want to see the rattlesnakes and copperheads But I also want to try and swim, get in the water with hellbenders. I think that'll be yeah. get some underwater photography of hellbenders would be those are that's my big bracket list but yeah now japan would be absolutely phenomenal and then yeah. again you know if i was invited on an australia trip and i could afford it there's a lot of stuff in australia that i want to see obviously um it's more believe it or not uh in australia it's more geckos that i i'm interested in because i keep the australian gecko so i, I would yeah, love to it. see oh, ohitura in the wild i'd love to see knobtails in the wild. i'd love to see spheros in the wild, and then i'd also love to see um things like inland taipan and stuff like that would be crazy
0: yeah and yeah, for me for australia the, i would more like to see like the pythons and varanids, but i guess let's just go with my interests i mean i i keep carpets and scrubs so oh,
1: okay what scrubs do you keep
0: uh i have a uh, juvenile pair of uh bar, so the Somalia uh, Nata.
1: Yeah, nice. Very nice. I, again, quite rare in the, U- in, in the UK. Um, all the scrubs are reasonably hard to get. I, I've sold mine now, but um, I had Arrow Island ones, which were, were absolutely beautiful. But yeah, you just, scrubs never very common at shows. You see them occasionally. I think you get a lot more wild caught imports than we can get.
0: i've never seen that show either and from what just when i looked at they're not that common online either so i think i just think right now the imports are not that common coming in that frequently at the current moment
1: so yeah oh it's just reminded me talking of imports something else that i keep which i forgot to mention um mangroves keep mangroves as well again the prices of those have gone ridiculously high because there's no imports coming in hmm so
0: yeah but you mentioned japan it's like the more i think about it, the more i actually want to go herping there just because all the more i think about it, the more the herps there sound really cool and all so
1: yeah and you've got such different species um i mean you've got the cave geckos to see cave geckos in the wild would just be insane that'd be fabulous you've got um some really sort of Japanese endemic lizards like the long tailed lizards the Brazinos and stuff like that. You've got a raft of different salamanders that are specific to that part of you know Asia. Um, you've got the, all the different different killbacks, you've got um the various um the Gloidius, you've got um you've even got I think you've got Papira not sure the distribution. Have you got Pipera station lenses? But you've, you've got a load of venomous stuff in Japan, which, uh, and then you've got all the different toads and stuff like that to see, which would be superb. You've got the tolerant toads and, you know, and stuff like that. Yeah. That'd be cool.
0: And then just top it off, top it all off, you have basically an amphibian crocodile.
1: Oh, 100%, I mean, just the, the giant salamanders. Which aren't actually that rare. It's, just to see that, that would be. I think there's several, like there's pinnacle species from each sort of area you're going to herp. I would say in Europe, it's probably that you know for, for people that want to go out herping from other countries visiting. Most people from Europe want to see either the beris or Vipira amidites. If you go to places like Malaysia, most people are after seeing a king cobra or maybe a crite and one of the you know um brighter coloured crites. Uh, if you go to America, it's Crotous Atrox all day long. Everybody wants to see it. I know it's not rare, but it's just so iconic. I do honestly, yeah. I lost I lost my shit when I saw it. It's just phenomenal to actually hear and see one in the wild. It's just absolutely brilliant. Um Japan, yeah, you've got the giant salamander. These apex things to go and see. Um, Australia, I suppose people want to see either carpet pythons or maybe, I don't know, big scrubby or something like that. There's certain certain things that draw you to it, or it will be the apex thing to see in a a specific sort of locale.
0: Yeah, the one thing that if you miss everything else you just check that off you feel completed so to speak
1: 100 percent. yeah 100 percent. yeah
0: yeah Let's see yeah. so uh with the way you keep all your animals on, uh, you mentioned that uh you keep your you want to keep a lot of north american and then iberian stuff just because the temperature requirements are so similar you want to go in a little bit more detail about that
1: Yes, I would. do. I mean, obviously, if you've got a, a massive area, multi rooms, it's not too difficult to keep Asian species with. Um, which tend to be higher humidity species with low humidity species, high heat species like Middle East and some of the North America stuff and so on. So on. Um, but I just feel the way I want to do it now, I think the hobby has come so far forward in the last 5 years you know it we're not as we're not as um advanced as fish keepers a friend of mine has just set up a new aquarium 350 liter aquarium he hasn't put any fish in it yet and it's cost him 1650 pounds so far <laughs> that is just on lighting and substrate and plants and filters. And I think that's kind of the way our hobby is going, not as as dramatic as that. But yeah. my my game plan is to have um, where I was keeping a lot of arboreal pit vipers, my cages are tall and slim. Well now I'm going over to more um, arid species, desert species, which are ground dwelling. I want longer rather than tall cages. Um, so I want to completely take all the, I don't know how many there are, there's a lot of cages in there, but I want to completely start again from scratch with appropriate dimension cages for the species that i i made me to keep. Um, every single cage will have UVB, every single cage will have UVA, and every single cage will have fo- decent, not japanese knockoff or chinese knockoff decent full spectrum lighting um every single bank of cages will have evo controllers on them i don't know if you get those in the states you probably do under a different name or something like that it's um it's to say it's a thermostat it's kind of selling it short it it kind of does everything for it's like a, a oh, thermostat a,
0: and humidity and stuff like that
1: yeah yeah it's like a controller for everything and it's bluetooth so wherever you are in the world you can see what's going on it reports to you by the second yeah. you can turn temperatures up and down the thing i like about that is you can program into it where you're so say most of your say that one bank of fibs they're all from a reasonable close area in north america so you've got just different types of serestes in that bank of VIVs. yeah you you could then program it so that you get the kind of heat gradients you get in that area so rather than the uh, heater just coming on getting to 85 degrees and turning off you get a gradual temperature range up to midday and then a gradual temperature drop to mimic exactly the wild conditions um so i want everything fully automated a because it's less work but also, I just think that it, that's much so much better to not just for breeding. Obviously, it's going to hopefully help with breeding. But I just think for the well-being of the snake, I just think the proper temperature gradients, hundred um, percent UVA and UVB. It annoys the life out of me when people keep stuff in a drawer and say it's fine. It's surviving. It's not having its best life. You know, people in prison yeah. survive. They're not having their best life, do they? You know, there's a difference. We all know you walk out of your house into the sun. The sun hits you in the face. It feels nice. It's not, you know, it's not rocket science, is it? um So, and I've noticed, and particularly with the rattlesnakes, the rattlesnakes will move, come out of their uh, their hides, go straight to where the UVA is because they know what time it's going to come on, and they'll all sit underneath (laughs) it, and then they'll they'll warm up, and then they'll go about their business sort of thing it's it's clearly beneficial with the lizards particularly like the, the timon um the ones that i kept i keep those indoors most of the other lizards like, uh, or the Felsumas, uv they love uv the clamor eye, you see them just literally when the uv comes on the clamor all come out they're all sat under the uv um so I, I personally think you shouldn't keep anything without that is a that is a day-basking animal, I don't think we should be keeping day-basking animals now without UV. There's no there's no excuse now. It's not expensive anymore. In the past, I can see it could have been expensive. There's such good quality UV Arcadia Pro T5 kits. Why is people not putting those in all their vivs? They're super easy to use. You can link them all up. So you're only plugging in one light. There's no wires hanging out all over the place. Um, But the controller will do the lighting and the heating, so it'll be all fully automated. Um, I've just got an air conditioning unit so that I can, again, keep the whole room at the sort of rough temperatures that I want. Um, And that's the thing, with the North American rattlesnakes and the uh, Spanish stuff, they kind of need a decent night drop. So yeah. if your room's insulated and stuff like that, you kind of need air conditioning to drop 10 deg- to drop the temperature 10, 15 degrees at night. So that's going in there. Um, yeah, I'm excited to do it, to be honest. It's, uh, it's going to be an absolute mission because if you, you know, if you think of how many VIVs I've got to get out, take the animals out, wiring the new lighting and electrics, substrate, build the design of VIV that I want to look at visually, animals need to go back you know if you've got a pair of corn snakes that's a day's work when you've got x amount of snakes and they're venomous as well which you can't just put your hand and pull it out and you know it's it's going to be you know it's going to be a massive task but i think when it's all done i think it will be so stress-free as much as you can with any you know live animal hobby just to walk into a lovely clean room all the vives are exactly the same everything's on timers for those that need it. Not that many will need it. For those that need it, automatic spray system set up, which I just got yesterday. I think um, it'll be an, it'll be a fun project. And yeah. I think I'll, I think once that's done, I think like anybody, I think I will enjoy keeping my animals more because it won't. It's not going to be a chore. Because I have fewer animals. I'm planning on probably only having somewhere in the region of 40 50 snakes not a lot compared to when i in the past when i've had racking systems and stuff like that and i've gone the other way and i've had and you end up like everybody does pulling the drawer open changing the water bottle chucking a mouse in shutting the drawer you're not appreciating the snake you're not seeing its behavior um and with the venomous stuff is that the reason i've kind of gone for the rattlesnakes and the and the euro spanish vipers. they sit out all the time they love to be out they love to bask you know some of the um the trimmerasurus you're you basically just gardening you don't actually see the snake you know it's in somewhere in the trees in the in the field but you very you know, don't necessarily see it atheris tend to sit out but a lot of the trimmerasurus don't don't sit out so much so with the rattlesnakes you have know, to have a nice cage set up decent really lighting that enhances the animal and you know with the full spectrum you can see the difference your animals look better under full spectrum light yeah particularly i mean the felsumas and the the Tim they pop under uv light their colors look fantastic um and the rattlesnake even the rattlesnakes which aren't necessarily brightly colored animals they look so much better under proper lighting so yeah that's the way forward i think
0: yeah, I mean, the more I learned about rattlesnakes, the more uh, fascinating, and interesting they became become to me. Like uh, when I was uh, interviewing Saunders Strucker, who is a PhD candidate researcher studying rattlesnakes down like extreme southern New Mexico and stuff like that, he's telling me like they keep on discovering new stuff like about their social behavior that you would never think of. Like they actually prefer hanging out with certain individuals. they basically, I don't know quote unquote have best friends more or less but you know that's the reason i said quote unquote you know it's a snake it's yeah. not exactly yeah not exactly going down to the bar with their friends
1: to have a couple beers but that'd be cool um no i completely agree i mean I, I rattlesnakes i uh tend to cohabit i think they should be in a viv with other rattlesnakes i do think they're quite a social snake um you just mentioned your your, your the chat if you' mexico is another place i'd love to herp. i don't think it's the safest oh, yeah. place to, i don't think it's the safest <laughs> place to herp, though. that's the trouble i think where yeah. a lot of the cool species are you really don't want to be walking around so much um which is a shame but it, it's on the list of places i'd like to go
0: yeah i mean <laughs> if it didn't have all the problems it probably would be one of the top destinations in the world for herping. Oh, yeah. so
1: yeah 100%. this has all the diversity I
0: mean, you can want
1: yeah it's got it's got the cloud forest stuff it's got i think it's probably got more rattlesnakes than the united states it's got it's got all the milk snakes um but yeah, even though they're reclassified they all look different they might have now just lumped them all together but they all look different areas they all look yeah. so different you've got some fantastic fantastic um salamanders and stuff. it's just an incredible incredible place to go and herb unfortunately you know you don't really want to end up in an orange jumpsuit with your head cut off and nailed to a pole
0: so <laughs> yeah I, I like being alive so yeah yeah but i mean another top place for me to eventually go herping would be brazil just because you know little kid growing up watching nature documentaries someone just going in deep into the jungles i don't know, just stirs the adventure little adventure in me, so to speak.
1: Oh hundred percent. You know, both rops and stuff like that. It'd be very, very cool.
0: Yeah. Yeah. So uh is there anything else you would like to talk about?
1: Um oh, good I think. I think we've covered quite a lot to be honest. Um <laughs> I would just put a little shout out. Um, I just started listening to another podcast which I you may already know it. it's called Herpetological Highlights. And yeah, yeah,
0: yeah, started to that as well.
1: Yeah, I, I only recently discovered it and it's fast there's something for everyone on there whatever species that you're particularly into they, they you know if you go back through their episodes they've probably done uh, a little thing on the latest scientific papers on it so yeah I would um recommend everyone having a listen to that. I'm gonna plug um obviously NPR network. There's a lot of stuff on there. And uh oh, if anyone would like to follow me on Instagram, that would be great because I'm trying to get over a thousand followers. I'm getting there, nearly there. But yeah, follow me at nipper read on Instagram. Um I post normally post a lot when I go on a trip. If I'm not on a trip, I don't post very much, but I am about to go to Milos, so uh, there should be some a lot of stuff hitting that fairly soon um and have a listen to if you into your venomous have a listen to venom exchange radio that's about
0: it mate and we're back just wanted to talk about something really interesting that just came up uh so you're about telling me about uh why about a uh, lamp propeller scheduler being now kind of banned in europe you want to talk about that
1: yeah, they've um, just passed a law in Europe, uh, that's mainland Europe, um, to prohibit the um, keeping of any of the lowland milk snake forms with a um complex. Um, you're allowed to keep the ones you have. So you've got granddad rights, you can keep them until they die. Um, but the sale and um, trade of them you, you can't do you're not supposed to breed them and you're not supposed to give them to anybody um it only applies to mainland europe so in the uk because we brexited the rules don't apply to us Um, but yeah it's it's the prices have just plummeted on them because everybody's now desperate to get rid of them before the law actually comes in i think it's kind of off the back of um somebody released some in the canary islands which are islands off the coast of Africa, but they're actually owned by Spain. And they're they're a beautiful place to herp. I've herped a number of Canary Islands. And each Canary Island has its own endemic species. So each Canary Island will have an endemic lizard, an endemic skink, and an endemic gecko. Some of the bigger islands have more than one species of lizard, and they get bigger and bigger and bigger. But they're really, really important little biospheres because each island has had a lot of um evolution for those species on there and they're very very adapted to these islands and they're volcanic islands they're they're very very dry there's very little vegetation um so the the um flora is mainly thorn bushes and succulents and cacti and that sort of thing so it's a very specific environment uh, and somebody let these snakes, these uh, king snakes, go, and um, they're decimating wildlife. They're they have really taken over. Um, they're breeding like crazy. So I think there's been a reaction to that. That the sale the, the of these is is actually uh, going to be prohibited in a few months' time. Um, but in Europe, they've also believe it or not, and I find this incredible, the cave racers. Um, the Chianicordia, no it's not Chianicordia, what's the cave racers? Oh, I can't think. The eye and the others. Can't think what the, uh, the Latin name for them are, but you know what I mean? The, 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 um, like Ridley's cave racer and so on. Someone's yeah. released, someone's released those in Belgium. And they are again, breeding really, really successfully. Now you think this is, this is a snake from Asia with stable temperatures and it's living in a country that has really harsh winters and snow, but the snakes seem to be coping with it really, really well and, and, and breeding really, really well. Um, huh. So whether they'll, they'll do a, 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 the same sort of ban for that sort of thing, I don't know. But um, yeah, the, the prices of any of the uh, the species is hemorrhaging, they're, they're coming down so much at the minute. Um, people can't get rid of them quick enough.
0: Which for people in the UK is uh, is ideal. Yeah, yeah. It's, uh it kind of reminds me of uh, a lot of the Caribbean species of lizard that get established in Florida. Seem to somehow spread very far north with very little problem. Seems like like a uh, anoles uh you know, nine anoles, uh, brown anoles, uh, curly tail lizards. All these like typical Caribbean species get very far up north into Florida. Even like especially brown anoles. They spread well out of Florida now pretty much all along the coastal part of the southeast where it can get fairly cold in the winters on occasion and they, they're just there so i don't know how they do it but they do it
1: yeah very very adaptable species
0: yeah probably relic cold tolerant genes from last glaciation event but yeah All right. Well, uh, thanks for coming on.
1: Absolute pleasure. Thanks for asking. Really appreciate
0: it. It's my pleasure.